my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off Podcast Show. My name is Julie Turney, and I am your host. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing well wherever you are listening to this podcast today. Remember, the HR Sound Off Podcast Show is created by an HR professional for HR professionals, magnifying HR voices. And today I am magnifying the voice of Cassandra Rose. Cassandra and I first met at the start of the pandemic. And it's been a minute since we've caught up. So I am so excited to have this conversation with her today. So welcome to the show, Cassandra. How are you doing? I am doing awesome, Julie. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor to be on this podcast. I've seen some of your previous hosts, so I feel like I'm in really good company. You are definitely in great company. You've had some good people pass through these doors. So thank you for being here today. Let's start by telling our audience a little bit about who is Cassandra Rose? What is your HR story? How did you get here? Yeah, I like to tell people that when I went to kindergarten, where most people were like, I want to be a firefighter or an astronaut. I was like, I want to be an HR professional. And <laughs> Ashley asked me, they're like, is that true? I'm like, of course not. I didn't even know what that is. <laughs> um, but I'm happy that our profession has gotten to a place where I, I'm hopeful that's how far <laughs> it'll go. Yeah. Um, the way I got into HR is similar to the way that most of my friends have gotten into HR. I was thinking about doing something else. I was actually uh, pursuing a profession in the law field. I wanted to go to law school. I didn't get in. So I did what every normal person does. I became an inner city missionary. Um, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, born and raised. And so wow. I moved to inner city Philadelphia and mm -hmm. uh, service local churches, nonprofits, and it was an amazing time. And right. I even thought about pursuing a master's in divinity and really pursuing that lifelong. Mm -hmm. And then my student loans were like, <laughs> you owe us money, so you need to go make money. <laughs> pay me, pay me, pay me what you owe me. <laughs> pay me what you owe me, exactly. <laughs> yep. Rihanna was a student loan collector. <laughs> <laughs> I started temping, just trying to figure out like what I wanted to do next. And every role I would get, whether it was two weeks or two months, was in HR. And I was like, wait a minute, I can still advocate for people. I can still make effective change by being in this field. And it uh, blended so many of the things that I love, business, law, compliance, regulations. And that really is my origin story. So nearly 20 years later, I have a really good skin routine for anyone looking at the video. <laughs> um, Tell them. Tell them, just don't crack. <laughs> uh, I'm proud to be the head of HR at a startup. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And so many twists and turns, but look, mm -hmm. you it led you to right where you needed to be um, in HR. I want to ask you, do you have any regrets about the way your journey turned out? Mm, that is such a good question. 
I will tell you, I had a lot of regrets as I was going through my journey. Like mm-hmm. as I look back and I think everyone gets to this point sometime in their life, you're yeah. like, all of those things led me to where I am. And I'm so mm-hmm. happy where I am that it was yeah. all worth it. But mm-hmm. there were times where I was either in recruiting and I was like, I want to be a recruiter. It's an awesome field, but it is tough. Tough. (laughs) It is very difficult to find that needle in the haystack. And Mm -hmm. what I find comical is the irony of, you know, very talented people and they can get them. And then when you're looking for a very talented person, sometimes it's hard to find that right fit. Um, So I left that and I went into HR analytics and then me and Excel got into a really big fight. I'm like, I'm tired of only looking at spreadsheets all day. Thankful for the experience, but I want to do something with people, which is more mm-hmm. HR related. I did mm-hmm. corporate integration. I did learning and development. I've done benefits for over 10 years. So Julie, after a while, I was like, what am I good at? Right? Yeah. It's doing all these little things that are within the HR field. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything specific. Like I'm seeing other people go straight into comp and become yeah. amazing comp leaders or go straight mm-hmm. into being a business partner and having a fast track to a head of HR role. Yep. I thought I was doing it wrong. But mm-hmm. what I love about my experience looking back, hindsight being 2020, because yeah. I had all of these functional expertise, yeah. I'm better able to understand how it all works. Mm-hmm. I know that when I make a decision here, it's going to impact these you know, 12 teams downstream and I need to yeah. get their buy-in. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I don't understand something, maybe employee relations, you know, to the 100th degree or compensation, I might not understand executive sales compensation in APAC mm-hmm. very yeah. specifically, but I have empathy for it because I've right. been in the trenches of doing it. Right. Yeah. So you have a, a heightened appreciation mm-hmm. um, as a result of your journey. And I think that's a great perspective um, and a way to look at it, right? Um, everything that happens in our life happens for a reason. It's either a lesson for us or it's a lesson that we're going to be able to explain and teach to someone else. And that's why you're here today because you're sharing your journey with our audience. And as much as that journey for you at certain points might have seemed like, were you making the right decisions? Were you going to end up where you really needed to be? It's made you stronger and made you the best HR professional you could be today, right? So, absolutely. Thank you. Write my story. (laughs) And that's why we do this show so that we could magnify these experiences because a lot of times you may think you're the only person that's struggling or thinking that you're the only person that's feeling like your HR career is not exactly where you want it to be. But the thing mm-hmm. is, you got to go through. The only way to do it is to go through it. That's what my friend Brittany Braffitt says all the time. The only way to do it is to go through it. And that stuck with me. So, you know, we go through these things and they help us to become, you know, better human beings, better professionals. So your story and your experience, I'm sure, is going to touch someone today and um, help them to recognize that their, their journey is not, as crazy as they think it is. Right. Yeah. Sometimes yep. the um, route to point from point A to point B is this zany line. And if yep. it is a one linear line, you actually mm-hmm. sometimes lose out. Yes. You get to your destination and you're like, is this it? Yeah. It's, it's never a final destination. No, exactly. I love that because I feel sometimes we grow in the in the hard stuff when things are at their hardest i think that's when we show our resilience and when we grow the most i think the pandemic showed us a lot as hr professionals about how resilient we really are and how much we can do with almost next to nothing 
mm-hmm. and help an organization to to thrive on the other side. So yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing that story. So you said that you are now an HR leader in a startup and you've spent 20 years in HR. So startup like versus, you know, other organizations that you've worked with. What what are your thoughts on that? Wow. Okay. I thought you said this was going to be 30 minutes. Do you have 12 hours? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Just remember the timeline. Yeah, I will try. Okay. Succinctly, I will say I've had the good fortune of being able to work in Big Co. So I've been able to work for Fortune 10, Fortune 100 companies. Um, Usually the companies I worked for in the past were at least 100 years old, had at least 100,000 employees globally. And Mm -hmm. then I went to startup, which is nimble and agile and gave me whiplash because they were (laughs) younger than me. And, you know, whiplash, Julie, because the decision making was so fast, right? Mm -hmm. The beauty of a startup is there is no necessarily previous structure. Like Mm -hmm. maybe if it's 10 years old, there's a lot of things already in place because people have come before you to do it. But if you're coming in year two, year three, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, where's this policy? You get to create it. This means. But the beauty of it, and for people who are like, you know, should I try my hand at startup? If mm-hmm. you're the kind of person, or actually just in a season of life where you're like, I want to get into the trenches. I want to be able to look and say, what can I do for this company three years from now? But what does this company need today? to yeah. make sure that we're de-risking things that maybe mm-hmm. the founder, the visionary person has not thought of. Yeah. Or how can I make sure that we're conserving cash? Like this is, I would say, the greatest way to get a master's or PhD level education in mm-hmm. the world is going into startup. Yeah. Um, if you're the kind of person who likes to be part of something that has been moving and working for generations mm-hmm. and you want able to understand it and innovate it, reiterate it, build upon it, then mm-hmm. I would say go to Big Co, work in those large organizations. They both have their pluses and minuses. Yeah. It really depends on the experience that you want to extract mm-hmm. and then the value you want to add back in. Mm-hmm. What season would you say you are in in your HR career now? Oh what yeah. Do now, call, what do you call this season? I call this season build and innovate. One of the things that I want to make sure my legacy is, is that there was whenever I'm in a position, whether it's, you know, director of benefits where I'm in a very niche position or, you know, head of HR is that there was a before Cassandra and Mm -hmm. after Cassandra. That's how I feel to feel that I've elevated this role that I've invested Mm -hmm. teams and the people wherever I've been. And when I that they're all better because Mm -hmm. I'm all better for having known you and experienced your services, just experience you as, as a human being. And that's what we do, right? Create experiences, build. Um, we have forever impact architects in our organizations. And impact being- architects. I'm putting that on a shirt, Julie. That's-, <laughs> that's what we do, right? We create yeah. impact in organizations. When you create that shirt, can you send me one, please? I'm a- of course, of course. Large. I trademark it, you're going to get a 1% royalty forever. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so I believe that it's important to think about your legacy and what you're leaving behind. I think if more people thought that way, um, they'd be more cognizant of how they're building their HR career. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. And and I 100% agree with you in terms of try to touch as many spaces as you can um, and get different exposure across different industries. Because like you, I've experienced, you know, education, gas and oil, um, startup. I've experienced quite a bit reinsurance offshore um, in my HR career. And I would say they all taught me different things mm -hmm. about how all different industries work and what is required and how you speak at different levels to senior yes. leadership, how you manage different levels of senior leadership. I would say I would agree with you. I think what stuck out for me in the moment when you said that startup is like the whiplash that you got. Yeah, I've never been able to put a word to it but whiplash yeah oh, that, that sure. resonates with me 100 percent. that definitely resonates with me 100 percent. what i love about what you said about an impact architect right mm -hmm. you're all about change but yes. what happens when you can actually make whatever change you want mm -hmm. you think that's what you want it's kind of like yeah. candy. it's candy and you're like here every meal is going to be candy it sounds awesome <laughs> in theory that first yeah. day on a sugar mm -hmm. high yeah OMG, I actually can make change and uh -huh. people respect my authority. That can be a very scary, but also freeing thing. Yes. Um, and so Julie, I will take it down to like, I do things as small as when I name a file, I'm talking about very simple things. I need yeah. like what exactly the file name is. I don't care if it's like 300 words <laughs> the year that, because I want people after me to be like, oh, where is this? policy and they see every iteration there all yeah. the way up to hey how do we retain employees how do we recruit employees because that's the stuff that's visible so yes. we tend to focus on that but mm -hmm. HR, what i love about and i, I will speak of our community is yeah. that we are the quiet rock stars yes we enjoy being behind the scenes right yep. and yep. sometimes i think people think that people who don't want seek visibility or seek to be in the center Mm -hmm. are not as ambitious but that's yeah. not true we are ambitious and we our are signature is that something works so well you don't need to call me exactly. like if all the things that happen you get paid on time right you have your benefits in place you know mm -hmm. how to get promoted you know how to do a one-on-one -on -one. Mm -hmm. if that's working and i'm not around that's not yeah. because i'm busy. that's because i'm in the trenches yeah during the pipe talking to the manager? Did you tell your people to take that time off? Mm -hmm. Did you make sure people understand, you know, how yeah. we, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And I love that that's where we are now in this mm -hmm. space. Like the better it works, the more, the less visible I have to be. But that yeah. also is what but makes But you know you're there. Exactly. They know you're there and they can see the effects of you being there. Right. I think of it a, a lot like a band, right? Um, you have a lead singer, yeah, mm -hmm. that's your CEO. Then you have all of these other instruments that make everything go together. But I like to think of HR as the drummer. The drummer keeps the pace. The drummer keeps the time. Without the drummer, there's very little that can happen, right? Sure. Um, you hear that drum beat. You hear the little changes that they make that move this thing along that we call music. But it's so beautiful. But imagine it without that drum. Sounds a little different, right? Unless it's acapella. <laughs> right? 
but one band, one sound. And that's how you want your organization to work. You want that your band flows so fluidly mm-hmm. that your leaders are doing what they need to do. Processes are moving smoothly and effortlessly. It is just flowing, but you've got that drummer keeping beat. That's your HR, keeping the beat, making it sound good, look good, right? Um, that's, that's definitely how I see it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, um, and just to extend your analogy, I would even yeah. say, if you think of certain songs, like before the person even sings, like once mm-hmm. the beat drops, you're like, yeah, this is yes. my this jam. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> right? So yeah. that's the candidate experience. Yeah. Who are coming in because I'm drumming and you're like, oh, something good is coming. Yeah. And that allows for the lead singer, the CEO to yeah. wear magic over that's everything. Right. So I love it. I love it. That's right. One band, one sound. Absolutely. With that being said, Cassandra, tell us what's got you excited right now about being in HR. I know there's a lot of stuff happening in our space. What's got you most excited? Um, Maybe this isn't something that a lot of people are talking about, but what mm-hmm. gets me most excited is seeing people like myself. Uh, for those who are listening uh, via audio only, I am a Black woman and seeing ourselves in these spaces. When yeah. I was coming up in HR, maybe, yeah. you know, thoughts here and there. Um, and what I think, especially coming from two parents who are very loving, very industrious, hardworking people, they came from blue-collar um, <laughs> backgrounds. And what that means is they didn't really have a lot of positive engagement with yeah. management, and management also included HR. So they were right. both unionize employees. If there was anything wrong, you went to your union steward, right? Mm-hmm. So when I said I was in HR, they were like, really? Is that how we raised you? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Right? And now the conversation has changed where it's like, you want to seek out HR. Yeah. I'm happy that people can find people who look like them, who mm-hmm. sound like them, who have yeah. similar experiences to them, and they can feel comfortable and more confident in navigating their career with yeah. people who not only come from where they've come from, but possibly mm-hmm. are already where they want to go. Yeah. So I'm excited to see the diversity that's happening mm-hmm. in HR mm-hmm. right now across the globe, to be quite honest with you. Yes. Um, I think with 2020, we had a reckoning with you know racial equity. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm starting to see some of those efforts peter out. And I really, really hope that they don't. I hope that this is yeah. just a small lull that's in connection to some of the layoffs that are happening. And once we start to really rally back, that we'll see that continued change. Because yeah. I feel that no matter how dark a season may be or how bright a season may be, everything's evolving, right? There's nothing yeah. new under the sun. We as human But I yep. hope that as we seek that change, there are certain things that, st- that start to become traditional. And yeah. I hope that traditional is this diversity. In yeah. The- oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, I have to say... That really does make me feel excited that I'm seeing more people of color mm-hmm. in those leadership spaces. But also, I'm going to add to what you're saying, because that also has me excited, but that I'm also seeing them on stages more. 
in those HR conferences, um, magnifying their voices, having a say on very crucial issues in our in our profession um, and how to make it better. I'm loving that I'm seeing more people of color take to the stage, sit at the front of conferences and be seen and be heard because we came from a space where we were taught not to be seen, not to be heard. Mm-hmm. And to see that our mindset around that is shifting and that there, that there are allies who are supporting us and opening those doors for us. I am very excited for that. I think there are very few podcasters in this space that look like me. Mm-hmm. I think of Ricklin Woods. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think of Ricklin Woods and I and myself and very few others in this space. There are very few of us in this space. And I'm going to stay here as long as I can to just help more of us recognize that we can talk about HR at this level or on any level um, and have these conversations and be heard. So I'm always excited when I see Ricklin's podcast make a top 10 list. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always rooting for her because most of the time you see a lot of these top 10 lists for podcasts and there 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 aren't many if any people of color mm-hmm. that make those lists so I want to see that change as well and I, I'm here for all of that yeah. so yeah very exciting times indeed for for our space so you are a very busy professional And I really appreciate you taking the time for me today, but you're working in a startup space. So you got to tell us, what do you do to take care of you um, Mm. as you stay busy and active in your role and just living your life? How do you take care of yourself? Yes, Julie. So one of those things, PTO, prepare the others. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Prepare the others, for sure. Prepare the others. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer and I tell my teams all the time, I'm like, for every 90 days, you need one week off, right? Yep. Just you need to take that reset, that break. I want you to come back fresh, renewed. If you want to mm-hmm. take two weeks, go ahead and do it. Because mm-hmm. i rather you come back and be energized about the work that you're doing yeah, uh, than power through and I mm-hmm. end up losing you because yeah. you quit with no job. Yeah. Yeah. And the only way I can encourage people and tell for them to trust me that that is true is for me mm-hmm. to do it myself. So I'm yeah. very loud and proud about like, hey, I'm taking a week off next month. Yeah. Where's your PTO? I will literally in one-on-ones to be like, hey, I know I went through 90 days and I see nothing. Oh, no, I'm fine. I don't care if you're fine. I don't yeah. care if you stay home and like repaint your room. <laughs> Just disconnect. Yeah. Learn that you are not work. Yeah. You do great work, but you are not work. And I want that's you right. to have an identity that's not tied 100% to this. Place. Yeah. Um, I take a lot of bubble baths. I think mm, <laughs> that's nice. to find a time and space in your house. I have two kids uh, under the age of six right now. Okay. And a puppy who's always seeking my time. So for me, that mm. bath secure time where I can just like sit and breathe and be yeah. in my thoughts. If that mm-hmm. people's reading or going for a bike ride or running. First of all, I wish running was a thing for me. <laughs> it's not. It's not for me either. Don't worry. You're not alone. (laughs) Uh, But being able to know once a week that I'm going to take just 30 minutes to kind of like be free and exist. That is one of the things that I actually look forward to. And I honestly feel relaxed after that. 
Um, And making sure that I'm always checking in with myself by checking in with others. And what I mean Mm -hmm. by that is I'm constantly reaching out to my network, what people maybe that I just met at an online conference, uh, (laughs) just saying, hey, how are you going? You know, if I see something that you're accomplishing, I'm like, I'm proud of you. I actually find a lot of reward by encouraging other people that I see doing amazing things. So I actually set time apart almost every day to go on LinkedIn and like or comment or do something for somebody else because I know how much that means to me when I have success. And one of the things that I make sure to teach my kids and hopefully is a message for someone listening in today is that all good things can't happen to you. Like to Mm -hmm. me, I don't and people who get jealous of other people's success. Yeah. I'm like, how many people can you marry? How many promotions? <laughs> right? Like in one lifetime. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if someone else is getting something that maybe you want, yeah. then be happy for them. Yeah. And, you know, maybe check in and see how they did it. So that way yeah. it's another lesson that you can learn. That's so right. I'm all about just investing in other people too as part of my own self-care. Yeah, there is more happiness in giving than there is in receiving. I believe that mm-hmm. with all my heart. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm glad that you check in with yourself too. I think a lot of times we don't, we forget to do that. Yes. Just check in with, the, with ourselves and see like how we're feeling in the moment. And if we need to de-stress, just taking some time to do that. Or, you know, self-care for everybody is not the same. Mm-hmm. So just as you explained, like loving to take bubble baths and, you know, celebrate others and somebody else's way of self-care could be something completely different. But the point yeah. is that you're taking moments to take care of yourself. And like, I, I definitely 100% advocate for preparing the others. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yes. What happens when I'm not here? It yeah. should still flow very smoothly. And the here's band, the drum, the percussion. It should never end. That beat should still be the same. Mm-hmm. Whether all I do is give somebody else the sticks, but they know that beat stays right. the same. Yes, I love it. Tell us what you're reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would enjoy. Sure. Well, I like to do at least one nonfiction and one mm-hmm. fiction. Um, okay. So from an fiction standpoint, I'm reading the book Silo. Uh, okay. Apple TV made a show. I watched it. I loved it. Uh-huh. And so I like to compare mediums. So if I watch something, you I like gotta to read it. Uh-huh. The book I'm- is always better. <laughs> book, I mean, come on, girl. So that is what I'm reading as my fiction. And for nonfiction, I'm reading The Rational Optimist. Okay. So it's just talking about focusing on how we actually live in the best time there ever has been and every generation will live in the best time there's ever been. And one quick example is they talk about like people like, Oh, it was so much better, you know, a hundred years ago. It's like when people were dying of polio, <laughs> like, no, we now have better medi- medication and care. Right. So every generation actually is a little better off yeah. than the one and that we must be appreciative of the time that we get to live in now. It's true. You know, I saw something on TikTok the other day that made me jump out of my skin because I was like, "Have you when you when I was younger? When you were younger, did you ever watch the Jetsons?" Yes. And you see uh, those flying cars, and they were in like the year two thousand, right? Or um, like twenty sixty two, twenty sixty. Yes. Yeah. And I always said, okay, when we got to like twenty twenty, I was like, so where are the flying cars? Because 
if I time this by the Jetsons, we should be close, right? But I saw on TikTok the other day that we finally do have our first prototype for a flying car. Yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Flying cars are coming, girl. I was like, what? I could not believe. And it had me so excited to see how they're going to work this out. And they were saying, you know, they've started testing it. It's now going through the FAA. And they're saying that they hope to have them out by 2025. So I'm like, mm, 20, okay. 2025, yes. flying cars are coming. But they're saying that you're not going to be, obviously, you can't fly as high as a as a plane. And you can't go as far as a plane. But well, you're going to be able to stay like within your space that you would normally commute in, but just mm-hmm. not have to deal with the traffic on the road. Now you'll be able to, and they're... Mm-hmm court um setting the courses in the sky for it now so of course first place um san francisco but hey we're getting there we're getting well julie there's a couple of things that i'm gonna unpack from that statement one this means that we need to get back on your podcast in 2025 to see if that was real Uh uh-huh okay second capsule this moment (laughs) and i wanted to let you know because i also am a tiktok fan i saw a meme but i just wanted to check uh George Jetson's birthday in the show back uh-huh. in the 60s was July 31st, 2022. So technically, George uh-huh. Jetson is walking what around as a one year old. Right a one year old. Wow. Actually, if you think about it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Wow. I'm telling you, I love the Jetsons. And I was like, we got to get flying cars before I die, man. It's just got to happen. And Listen, there we go. Jetson's walking around. He was flying a car like it was nothing. So. Uh huh. Skype is the beginning of it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I love it. The big question, Cassandra, what is the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? Oh, that we're for the company. Mm. That is the biggest misconception because I will tell you there's been plenty of times <laughs> where I have had to step in place and advocate for an employee and say, you cannot fire this person. If yep. you this person, uh, just go ahead and get your points together to litigate that. Pay them out. Mm-hmm. If there's a board journalist or um, you know podcaster out there, might as well just go ahead and put your brand in the trash right now, right? Yeah. Like just yep. being on the side of the employee. And of course, let's let's be serious. I know yep. who pays me, right? <laughs> yeah, is the company, but they purposely put us in place yeah. to make sure that we're being that level of control for the organization. How do we make sure that we're protecting the company, but also how do we protect the employees even sometimes from policies that just didn't take that person into account, their situation. You can't plan for everything. No. Right? So when there is that gap, that's where we stand in the place of. And I think a lot of people don't realize that work is being done because we're not going to give you. Exactly. BT Dobbs, do you know that I argued with your manager for half an hour to make sure you actually got that time off? No, they they don't know that. I did a post this weekend that said, if employees could be a fly on the wall. Okay. (laughs) When we're having some conversations with managers, I think some employees need to be flies on the wall. So number one, hear how much we fight for them. But number two, also to hear how their managers really think of them. What they really think and feel about them. Right. And some of the things that they say. 
So I put it out there to my community and I asked the question, what's the craziest thing a manager has ever said to you? And some of the things that came back, I must say, like, I've heard a lot of them. One, one person said, we're not giving them any pizza. They don't deserve it. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't mean to laugh. I apologize. Pizza. I was like, what? Yeah. Then one person, which I've been there, that this one really triggered me. The, the, the person said that they were told not to say hello so much to people. I've actually been told that I laugh too loud and that I need to laugh less if I want to be taken seriously in corporate America by a manager. Yeah. But don't say hello. Like, you don't need to talk to the people. I've had that. You don't need to talk to employees. Mm-hmm. Like, huh? My core function is to ensure that employees are engaged and you want me to do that by not talking to them. Right. How? How? You don't need to talk to employees. You don't need to know what their problems are. That's why they have managers. Really? Yeah. So I would like some employees to be flies on the wall. I honestly would, because sometimes the stuff that we're told um, and the things that we have to fight for that should be just humane to do, Mm -hmm. to help someone be okay, not okay. So I, I totally agree with you. I've heard it, about it. Yeah, not good. Well, if I can add a quick bonus one, because uh, uh-huh. I'm going down on time. Go on. That those people are typically the outliers. I've mm-hmm. worked with amazing managers and amazing leaders who literally have told me, take money from my bonus to give it to my people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it means that we have to lay people off, what can I do? Can I take a pay cut? Like, really benevolent people. I'm not saying that's always well, the case, but that's, no. for in my experience, that's usually the case. And then you right. get these rogue people who should not be part of the organization in general. Let's okay. just start there. Yeah. Who will say bananas things. <laughs> and I have to constantly take them to task and be like, I'm here to be a control point and protect you from you. Yeah. So let me help you do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me save you from yourself. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely agree with that. This was such a great conversation. Thank you for joining me today, Cassandra. Such a pleasure to have you here. Could you tell our audience who may want to connect with you where they can find you on social media? Oh, yes, of course. So um, I go by Miss Cassandra Rose. So the letter M-S-C-A-S-S-A-N-D-R-A-R-O-S-E. You see, I do that pretty often across Mm -hmm. all social media channels. So that's LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok. the artist and formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> I put out most of my content <laughs> on LinkedIn and Instagram. I love to actually um, put out benefits content because I feel like a lot of people, US yeah. don't usually understand their benefits fully. So I try to break it down into bite-sized edutainment, I like to call it, nice. um, for people to consume. And whenever, like I said, if you want to connect just to ask a question or, hey, I'm doing something great in the HR space. I'd love for you to like or comment or share it with your network. Reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much, Cassandra. Wishing you all the best. You survived your time in the sound booth today. And you are welcome back here anytime. But we have a current standing arrangement for 2025. Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. 
I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all of the episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.